0: Thank you for tuning into the First Gen Hunter podcast, the go-to resource for those seeking to establish a foundation in hunting knowledge, skills, and tactics.
1: If you're listening to this, you made it. This is New Year's Eve of 2020. That's right. Tomorrow, when you wake up, 2021 is officially here. And one of the craziest years in recent history will be behind us. But as we've said many other times, I hope that 2020, despite all of the craziness, despite all the hardship and disappointments and changed plans. I hope that hunting season was still good to you, and I hope that First Gen Hunter was a big help to giving you one of your best seasons yet. And now it's time to get on to 2021. And one of the first items of business is wrapping up hunting season from 2020. There's still a few weeks left in most states. Uh, Down south, I think there's even a month or two left Of Deer season and so we brought in a guy who has killed some really incredible deer in the late season And that is mr. Jeremiah Haas. You might remember him clear back from I believe it was episode number 14 River Island bucks and he told us how he likes to go out onto islands in the Mississippi River and Get after some of the more hard to find hard to reach really high quality bucks in the state of illinois well tonight we're totally shifting gears and we're going to this late season approach we're going to talk about the types of areas to look for when to look for them based on weather and we're also going to throw some very specific scenarios at jeremiah to see what he would do in that situation to try and kill a buck in the late season but before we get to all that, we're going to do an old-fashioned, can't be that old-fashioned though because, you know, this is the first year of the podcast, but something that we did in our earlier shows, which is a long, oh, just Brandon and Kent pre-game session and we kind of got carried away with it. You know, it's, it, it, it's therapy for Brandon and me. We can't help ourselves, okay? We love to just kind of goof around and talk hunting and so that's about the first 45 minutes of this episode so if that's not for you and you just want to hear how to kill a deer in the late season go ahead and skip ahead about 45 minutes otherwise i think it's fun to listen to the pregame it's kind of like you're at deer camp you know and uh, you're part of the first gen family and everything so we'd love to have you tune in for that part as well but enough of me rambling and let's go ahead and move on to 2021 and episode 35 of the First Gen Hunter podcast, a late season interview with Mr. Jeremiah Haas. Brandon when the actual body of this episode mm-hmm. the main the main thing the mm-hmm. the main event, maybe you'd say if we were announcing a boxing match or something like that. yes, I'm gonna suggest that the episode should start with a song, and uh mm-hmm. so we're talking about the past here in the future. I don't know, it gets confusing, I know, but <laughs> right right now. I think mm. that, um, we should probably, uh, sing like Auld Lang Syne or however you say that song name. That's the like only new year's song <clears throat> that exists. Yes. But, yes. Um, no, I'm just kidding. We won't punish our listeners to have to hear <laughs> our voices, but, uh, <laughs> I mean, this is the last one, man. The last one of 2020 when this mm. baby drops, it'll be new year's Eve.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, isn't it crazy to think that, you know, 2020, which has, which has really felt like <clears throat> the equivalent of two years. I mean, legitimately, when, I, when yeah. I look back at, you know, I know when I was, when I was temporarily out of work with, you know, due to COVID and everything back in March. I mean, when I think back to March, I mean, it really does feel like, you know, like 18 months ago instead of <sighs> like nine months ago, you know, right. and so it's kind of just been crazy, um, and I know I'm sure I speak for, for you, for a lot of outdoorsmen out there that, you know, the outdoors has been a respite of yes. being able to just kind of get away from the craziness, you know, of of you know, the unknowns and the frustrations and the uh, sometimes anxieties, uh, you know, that, that we've all been dealing with. So, I mean, it's it really cool to finish out the year in a fitting manner to be back to talking about what we love and, you know, hopefully encouraging other people to get out there and, and enjoy it. You know, one last time as we draw close to the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Very well said. And and
1: I think a good summation for probably most outdoorsmen out there, you know, we've, we've been able to find that solace that we hoped, at least I Mm -hmm. have, I know Mm -hmm. just from talking with you, you have as well. Um, Yep. And as crazy as 2020 has been, my brother Jake and I, we kind of just talked about this in the previous episode Two Brothers, Two Bucks, episode mm-hmm. 34. It's really been a great year for hunting, for, yeah. for me personally. Um, yep. And of course, my brother Jake's shooting that really nice buck. Yeah. Back in November. But, um, just one more nice little bright spot if uh i know you know about this because uh you follow first gen hunter but i just Mm -hmm. shot my first ever quail and uh yeah that that may yeah that may not seem like that big of a deal but that's a big deal in iowa that's that's a big deal man Uh, yeah you can go entire upland seasons here in iowa and not ever flush a single quail and yeah. um i've gotten on a covey this is the same covey twice um yeah i uh last time i was out hunting it was at my grandparents farm last time i was there i shot a rooster pheasant um mm-hmm. and i flushed that same covey but i never i never got any quail out of it this time mm-hmm. i didn't see any roosters i saw yeah. one hen mm-hmm. um so not not a legal target there Mm-hmm. um uh i did find some evidence of possible trespassing right really? and that drives me crazy and
2: uh yeah i can't I remember trash and whatnot and yeah uh
1: a oh. uh, cigarette carton and uh mm. and it was way back in there so it's not like you know mm. pulled out of someone's garbage can
3: yeah yeah right
1: so i don't know it could be i've had some trouble with trespassers but um could be from that and therefore you know it it looked like it it hadn't even been rained on or snowed on or anything like that Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. uh so somebody may have gone through the afternoon before me or something that might be why i didn't see any pheasants but i did come across this covey of quail again and uh that was a lot of fun and i'm telling you yeah my dogs are dialed right now i mean they're just yeah man sounds amazing yeah they're just they're on it And, um, you know, it, it, uh, has really paid off to put in some work with them and, and, uh, you know, take them out and get them that, that experience. And Mm -hmm. yeah, it was, it was awesome. And, uh, my son Jonas, he was not hunting with me. So Mm -hmm. a lot of times, you know, my grandpa, he's, he's going to be 84 in January, which is just amazing Mm -hmm. that he's able to get out and. And hunt, oh yeah. Hunt sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of times what he'll do is um he'll follow along in his pickup and uh you know, just kind of be there to to participate in that way. And yeah. um he uh brought my son along with him who rode in the cab of his pickup and then when I shot that quail, you know, he got to be in on the excitement and hold the bird and he he's kind of he loves whenever i shoot a bird he wants to hold it you know so i yeah shot yeah. a dove with him back in september man he mm-hmm. didn't put that thing down for <laughs> like an hour <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome yeah. yeah that's great and, and uh yeah so he he was all about holding the quail and everything like that and yeah it was just a fun experience but yeah so you know this hunting season you know it started out with some serious heartbreak back in october but Killed that nice buck just over a week ago, and you know what's been cool about that experience is, uh, I saw I saw the whole process through. Um, yeah, I was on my way home. Honestly, is actually probably the day that I shot it. I'm sitting here knowing of all these. I knew of a couple different processing places I could take the deer, mm-hmm. and both places I've been. You know satisfied with in the past and yeah. you know deer processing is just expensive enough to where you're like eh. you know what i mean it's like right and yes. i'm a biology teacher i'm also a human anatomy and physiology teacher so dissection is something that i've done quite a bit of and Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I feel like when I'm putting that money out there, it's like, dude, you could do this yourself. You just got to try it. You know what I mean? It's like, you can, you can figure yeah. this out. You know how to, you know how to hack and cut on animals, that kind of thing. You know, not, not that I'm, some, yeah. I'm not trying yeah, to you know, right. be like braggadocious here. Like I'm some genius or something. It's just, you have the, you, it's kind of like the painter whose house needs painted, right? It's like, dude, paint your house. Yeah. And so yeah. It, it, I was just kind of feeling this this thing and and just like also you know the whole thing of you know you got to wait so long to get the meat back a lot of times because they get so backed up this time Mm -hmm. of year once the gun seasons roll around and i know for a lot of butchers uh and processing plants they're way behind because uh back at the height of covid Especially here in my area, a lot of the meat packing plants and processing plants, big ones, you know, like Tyson or you know Purdue or something like that, they had yep. big COVID outbreaks, and so those entire right. plants yep. were shut down. So then these mm-hmm. uh, um, livestock outfits, you know, farmers essentially, mm-hmm. they would uh, start selling hogs and cattle mm-hmm. to uh you know joe Schmo who uh lived down the street and got on facebook marketplace and saw that there was a hog for sale you know and so these people yeah. were yeah. buying these hogs and then <laughs> they were taking them to their deer processor to break them down for them so you know these guys freezers right. and refrigerators and everything else are totally filled with that kind of thing so you know you didn't right. know what the turnaround time was and just I don't know. I, after, I think I've appreciated this deer even more so than my very first deer. And I think it's just because I didn't know what I didn't know then. You know what I mean? It's like, this is my first deer, Mm -hmm. but now I know how Mm -hmm. much work went into getting a deer this year. I've understood the Mm -hmm. suffering of, of, uh, you know, being so close yet, not getting what I had hoped I'd get and right, and, uh I, it just felt like I don't want to let this thing out of my clutches. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Called up good old brother Jake and uh he had the evening off and uh when I got home from my trip, he ran by the hardware store, picked up a pulley, I I found some rope and we strung this thing nice. up. I already had a gambrel. Um, because i was that was the other thing is i was planning to break one down this year myself anyways and so i had purchased mm-hmm. a gambrel mm-hmm. and so we strung this buck up in my garage and um we went and broke him down we we skinned him out i'm gonna actually uh send the hide off to a tannery or deliver it there myself oh I cool decide what i'm gonna do yet yeah but i'm gonna do mm-hmm. that and um we uh, uh, basically deboned it, put the meat nice. into uh, some bags, did some wet aging in a cooler and the refrigerator for a few days, and then my wh- wife, mm-hmm. my wife was kind enough to help me with the process hmm. of cutting up nice. probably over a hundred pounds of venison. Eh, yeah, that's man. awesome, and it was late nights. It was during Mm -hmm. uh you know the the super precious nap time when when uh Mm -hmm. you know our daughter is sleeping and you can actually get stuff done Mm -hmm. she was she was working on it with me then and uh we now officially have everything wrapped and labeled and safely stored in the freezer and um You
2: know, we've even been able to eat some of it already. So great, man, that feels good. I mean, just you know, to have the the learning opportunities this season that you've had, and you know, to have gone through some challenging times with the opportunities that you've had, and then for it to all be capped out, and and for you to be able to look back and say, "Man, this is this really was worth it." I've appreciated this more than even my first. Year, I mean, that's that's a pretty special place to be. So, I mean, behind you know, 20 hindsight's 2020, you know, 2020 is is you know, almost in the books, and you're able to kind of see that all the way through to completion. So, yeah, that's pretty for neat for
1: sure. For sure, you know, the guy who we're going to talk to on this episode, which everybody should know by now because you can see his name right on it, mm-hmm. Jeremiah Haas, he's a, a good friend of both yes. Brandon and me. And, um, you know, Brandon, and I just in talking. Uh, there's just so much to learn from a guy like Jeremiah. I mean, a guy who mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's essentially, you know, his job title is environmental chemist. And he certainly puts a lot of his, spends a lot of his time working within the fisheries realm. But I would just classify the, guys, the guy as a fisheries biologist, a wildlife biologist, a conservationist, environmentalist. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the, the guy knows how outdoorsman extraordinary (laughs) there we go there we go i like that but one of the things that Brandon and i were talking about that we're just really impressed with 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 jeremiah is his level of contentment he has with the outdoors Mm -hmm. and and brandon Mm -hmm. you even were kind of describing it as you know i've been hunting for a long time and i don't even quite feel like i'm at that same point where where jeremiah is yet and Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah it's um It's a, it's a special
2: thing for sure. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's unique because, you know, you, you, um, you desire to, to have success, but you know, the more, the more mature you get as a hunter, you know, and I know I have seen this in myself and I'm sure you've seen it even in yourself from the time that you started until now, you know, you, you begin to classify success differently. And, uh, and that's, that's exciting. You know, that's ultimately, that's what you want to see as you advance as a hunter. Um, you know, it's, it's not, it's not just about, um, you know, the game that you're, that you're, you know, conquering, you know, that, that you're harvesting, you know, it's ultimately about the memories, the experience, the opportunity to learn the growth, you know, all those things. And so if those things are happening, you know, those things are a bigger win, um than than simply harvesting an animal. And I mean, Jeremiah is is definitely there. I know I, I, I see in myself, I'm like, you know, this year, for instance, I've shot two does, but it's, you know, the first year in a long time that I haven't shot a, you know, a wall hanger. And so I'm, um, you know, a big part of me is like, man, I really want to get a <laughs> yeah, wall hanger yeah. still. <laughs> no, I <laughs> you know. And I mean, you know, maybe I will, maybe I won't, but you know, I look forward to continuing the journey of maturity in, in, you know, learning more about the outdoors and hopefully getting to the point where just like Jeremiah, you know, I'm able to say, you know what, I'm really content, you know, Hey, I've got meat in the freezer, learned a lot this year. And you know what, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, Hey, I'm, I'm good. So, I mean, it's really cool to see that we're all in a different path. You know, we're all, you know, we're all in a different portion of that journey. And uh, as we all support each other, you know, whether you're first gen hunter, uh, who's been into it for, you know, one to five years, or whether you're, you know, lifelong hunter has been doing. It for decades you know we all can we all have something to, to to teach we all have something to learn um and so it's cool to kind of see where everyone's at on that journey and continue growing yeah, together i i couldn't say it better myself man that's that's a great way to say it and
1: you know uh i, I really do feel your time is coming um I, yes. You know, I, I say that because that's what you and Noel said to me on the Christmas special. You guys said, your time is mm-hmm. coming. And man, was that some, some, uh, some prophecy yes. you guys were laying down there. So I do think, though, uh, just based yes. on talking with you, everything that's been going on, which is exactly where I want to take this conversation now. Mm-hmm. What's going mm-hmm. on here at this point in the season for
2: Mr. Brandon Martin, another outdoorsman extraordinaire? well you know what I've been really blessed this year to enjoy a lot of time in the outdoors I've been blessed to um, praise the Lord be a little bit more balanced than I was last year which was needed so I've been able to spend good time with the family but be balanced I've really enjoyed great fellowship in the outdoors Mm. this year which has been awesome you know I was just chatting with Kent you know a little bit ago just privately and You know, just how I've really enjoyed the fellowship of the close knit group that I have here in Delaware this year and how we've been, you know, just a small group of us guys have been on almost a daily, you know, constant text message string of, hey, pitchers are coming in, you know, from the cell cams, and and, you know, how that's just continued to kind of really amplify the enjoyment of the outdoors you know traditionally in years past it's been you know everything's ramping up September you know you're excited for the early season the summer the summer patterns you know and then October pre-rut November rut and then you know really after that um, you kind of hit Thanksgiving and then it's it kind of falls off for you know a month you know a month and a half and then you know you're back into it for a week or so in January for shotgun this year has been a lot different though um, this year actually have been out every weekend um, either facilitating, you know, uh, food sources, um, doing some late season scouting, um, getting out hunting, you know, and so it's been really cool to have had that experience this year. And um, this year too, you know, I feel like we've, you know, I had I had a couple specific goals, um, you know, going into this year. Um, one goal was to to see my brother get a, get a buck. You know, it's it had been um, some time since he had shot a deer, and he's just, you know, he's he's a he's a quality deer hunter. He's, he's someone who passes a lot of deer. He's very, you know, I was talking to another one of my buddies the other day and he said, he mentioned, he said, you know, when your brother says something about deer hunting, I I specifically pay attention. (laughs) And I thought that was a great compliment, you know, to, to my brother, because he's, he's a very thoughtful person. He doesn't say things, you know, kind of willy nilly. Like when he says something, it's really thought through and he's very wise when it comes to deer patterns. But he's also one of those guys that, you know, kind of like similar to Jeremiah, he doesn't have to shoot a bunch of deer, you know, he's content with the process and, but, you know, coming into this year, you know, I'd really wanted to see him get a deer. And so we were able to get him a good deer, which was awesome. Um, he was able to, one of my goals is just to continue to grow in the uh, area of trail cam pictures and, Really facilitating, you know, from early season with mineral sites to mid season with uh, mock scrapes, you know, especially, yeah. you know, just continue to try to amplify that. And then late season, you know, setting up on food sources to re-identify, you know, what what we've got in the in, you know, the the population of the bucks. And so I mean, that's been a really successful year. You know, this is the first year that we've really deployed cell cams and really enjoyed that's really honestly been a game changer for us um just with with kind of keeping the excitement yeah. and the interest level. Um, and, and what we've actually done uh, that one of the guys who's in our group, he's, it's actually, they're his cams. He sets it on, you know, to, for them to come in like every 12 hours, you know? So you, you save the battery That's life smart. on the cams That's You're smart. not, you know, yeah, you, you're not getting blown up, you know, all the time by the, the pictures you all day long. When because you <laughs> you <laughs> wake up to right. go to the bathroom you and you're like,
1: any notifications?
2: Yes. <laughs> yes. I know. I mean, so it can be really distracting. That's kind of helped balance it, but it's really amplified the excitement. Um, you know, wanted to see, a, you know, I, I've been mentoring a couple guys. I wanted to facilitate getting a deer and, and having at least one of them observe yeah. that and help me track it. So we we're able to accomplish that, which is really cool. One of the other guys um, just got his official license. One of the other guys that I'm mentoring in. So um, I'm going to be getting him out, hopefully trying to get him, you know, late season doe um, over the January, show shotgun season here in Delaware. So we've accomplished that. So, I mean, this is just like you said, there's been so many good things and so much success, you know, despite not, you know, getting in my case a, a buck. Um, but that said, we, we're excited because we have been able to repattern deer. One of the things that we've, um, found a lot of success with this year, one thing, one way that we've specifically grown, uh, that I've specifically grown, our small group has specifically grown is designing food sources, uh, with the prevailing winds that are very tight to known Mm. bedding areas. Uh, And so that's really been a game changer for us. you know, I, it's great if you can if you have large fields to hunt. You know, standing corn, standing beans. You know, that's great, um, and, and and that's certainly something to take advantage of. What we've done a, a little bit differently is been able to design um, food sources that are actually very tight to existing bedding within. You know, very close to the woods, rather than kind of sure. an open ag. And that's really been helpful for us because you know we're actually going to talk a little bit tonight about bedding sites and how sometimes that will change with late season and you know jeremiah you know is going to reflect on that a little bit you know just the you know when you're talking about sometimes these deer they don't travel real far come this time of year between bed and food so if you can get something tight in there an access point where it's easy to access prevailing wind is good Man, you're really setting yourself up for you know a lot of great trail cam pictures, but you know a lot of great opportunities as well. So we uh, we're we're excited. We actually nicknamed one of the deer that we're after Professor X because he he just has like mind reading <laughs> capabilities. Um, I mean, it's almost uncanny. But I mean, you know, it's it's it, 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 it actually really interesting as we record this. So uh, I over the last four days. Two of those days he has shown himself morning and night, two of the days he didn't. Okay you can guess which two days we hunted him. <laughs> it was the days he yeah. didn't. I mean, so it's just, it's just crazy. And But that, you know, that adds to the story we've talked about, you know, name and, you know, deer and, and how that adds to the story of them. And if we get him, it'll be amazing. If we don't, you know what, man, excited to see what he turns into next year. And, and maybe his superhero ability will grow even further. I don't know, but I mean, just really, really cool to have the opportunity with some of these deer. I mean, we've had a couple show up that, you know, my, my guess is from an abundance of pressure on neighboring state sure. pieces, you know, public pieces um, that maybe they've migrated over to our side of things and and seem to be sticking on our pieces. So, I mean, there's a couple of good opportunities with that. We're really blessed in Delaware to uh, for for actually the next five Saturdays, essentially five weeks, because these seasons go through the week for essentially the entire month of January, um, it will be either shotgun or wow. muzzleloader. I mean, for, wow. for literally the entire month. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty unique. And so we you know, we've been out <laughs> with the bows, you know, had, had some good opportunities, close calls with that, but we're pretty confident that we'll have an opportunity to put down um, hopefully a good buck or two. So, I mean, and if I get to be a part of that, that's great. You know, it, one, one of the most powerful things really, you know, when you've got a, when you've got a good group of guys and girls, you know, that, that, you know, kind of uh, values align, you know, uh, management goals align, things like that. When one person has success, you really feel like you have success. Cause you know, you're, you're a part of it. You're enjoying it together. You've <clears throat> put in the work together to, hang stands to create, you know, food yeah. plots to do all these things that really you know, are the backdrop things. They're, they're the things that people don't see. Um, but it's all the work that goes into it when, <clears throat> you know, when you're tracking that deer and you come up on it, you know, after tracking the blood trail and you are high five you know, it's not about, it, it, you mean know, the last thought on your mind is man, my buddy shot a deer and I, right. didn't, you know, the, 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 you're, this the last thing you're thinking, you're, you're thinking, man. I am high five and man, this is, this is group success and this is awesome. These are memories being made. So it's really cool to approach it like that. And, you know, when you talk about the competitive competitiveness, you know, I can reflect myself and I think probably similarly to a lot of hunters out there, you're more competitive with yourself, than anything else, right. you know, you, you know, it, it, you really want to see yourself continue to grow and advance. And if you have success for a few years in a row, you really want to continue that because that's part of the growth process. Um, but you know what, it, 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 truly, I say this humbly and, and I, I know I'm sure I reflect just like a lot of other hunters would, you know, it, I'd rather see, someone, you know, I've had, I've been blessed to, to take a, a fair amount of a good deer. I'd rather see someone who hasn't shot a deer or, you know, someone who has had limited experience, get out there and get an opportunity because, you know, there's, you, you, for those of us who put the time in and have a lot of opportunity, chances come, you know, it's a matter of taking advantage of them and, and you may go a year, like Jeremiah said, you know, man, if I, if I get one great, if I don't, Hey, it's fine. And so kind of in that vein, I guess I'm trying to, learn to be a little bit more content and so we'll we'll see what the what the end of the season has I'd love to to be able to put my my quality buck tag around uh, <laughs> around some antlers but you know I mean if if not you know man if I end up boy, if, if I could get this other guy, you know, his first year and man, if I could see, uh, my buddy who's been chasing after professor X, you know, for man forever now, man, if he gets that deer, I mean, I'll just be s- just as stoked. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what will come and I'm just excited to be having so much fun in the late season. Usually this time of year, it's kind of, it's really winding down. We're kind of, you know, for, for anyone who hunts a lot, you know, you kind of, you know, the feeling yeah. of burnout and it's not that you don't it's not that you, you don't love and enjoy it. You just get to a point when you've had X number of days in the field during the year. And you, you, of course you've got family responsibilities and you want to balance that and you want to, you know, you get to a point where sometimes it's like, man, boy, I'm almost kind of glad that, you know, I, I just need, I just need a few weeks to just not be doing that. And, uh, so the fact that, you know, it's been more balanced this year and we're having so much fun in the late season and learning and growing. I mean, it, it's really unique and it's an area that's really been cool to see advancement and growth this year. So hopefully knock on wood, you know, here going into the the new year, it'll be a super solid kickoff to 2021 for getting something out. Actually, my buddy's going tomorrow. Um, the, the one spot where we've been seeing professor X, if you've got a northwest wind, it is super ideal. We've got a northwest wind tomorrow. Temperatures dropping. Awesome. Um, and so I'm. I'm. it's We've been. It's funny because I'm at work and I'm. I'm getting these <laughs> group text messages. Oh man, where should I go? What should I do? You know. And so and I, you know, hey man, I, I'm gonna be off work at five. I man, it's last shooting lights five fifteen. Man, let me know. I will. I will be right up there to help you track. So I mean, <laughs> it's cool. You know, we get all excited together to to kind of meet up. And man, we're hopefully. Hopefully, this time tomorrow we're we're tracking a blood trail and maybe you know finishing out 2020 on a real positive note. So we'll see yeah, what happens.
1: I hope uh, somebody gets one down, or I hope you get one down. Of course. And,
3: yeah. Yes. And, thank uh, you. You're
1: exactly right, though. I think that that's, I think that's something that, you know, I, I'm I'm working on an article right now for a magazine I I write mm-hmm. for, and one of the things that I've kicked around starting the article with and it's about shed hunting, is the fact that you can kind of almost group, uh, and i got to be real careful here when you say stuff like this, right? But uh, you can kind of class, there's all kinds of ways you can classify people, right? And I'm not going to sit here and say that. Every last person on the planet fits into one of these categories. But one thing that I've kind of noticed as I've gotten older, and, you know, just really pouring myself into... uh, uh, the life of being an outdoorsman,
3: mm-hmm.
1: a lot of times people, maybe that's the way to say it, a lot of times, so not always, don't get mad at me here, a lot of times people can generally be classified into these three categories, okay? Mm-hmm. Havers, doers, mm-hmm. or maybe maybe experiencers would be a better word than doers. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh the people who like both so they they like to have Mm -hmm. things but they also like to Mm -hmm. have an experience so let's let's you Mm -hmm. know it's the christmas season let's let's talk about it from this perspective here a minute when you're buying christmas presents for somebody if you're a good gift giver right you're Mm -hmm. trying to you're trying to match (laughs) it up with what type of person am I buying for here? Right? Is this, mm-hmm. you know, what mm-hmm. are their interests? What what are they going to get use out of? What do they truly want, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you mm-hmm. have somebody who is maybe the person you're supposed to buy for in your family gift exchange is somebody mm-hmm. that would fit into the haver uh category. Okay. So yes. that's gonna be somebody who just likes to have something because they like having it you know what i mean doesn't mean they're necessarily Mm going to use Mm it you know it could be like we'll say like an antique tool or just somebody who likes antiques Mm -hmm. you know
2: right they just
1: like to have that antique whereas then somebody Mm -hmm. else they don't care so much about having stuff they care more about I guess having if, the, if if they're gonna have something, it's gonna be a memory, right? And so the, instead mm-hmm. of getting that mm-hmm. really cool antique, they would rather maybe you gave them some voucher to uh, go to a spa or maybe yeah. even go on like an overnight trip to uh, you know stay at a cool resort and go hiking all day or something like that. And yeah. then I yeah. think is the category that most outdoorsmen fit into, which talks about your little thing here with, you know, I'm not quite content. You know, I'm full, I'm pretty well content, but I really <laughs> want those antlers for the wall. I have the meat for the freezer, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. But we like souvenirs. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We love the yeah. we love the yeah. process. We love the experience. And I think that that's where shed hunting kind of comes into full. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know what I mean? Comes full <laughs> circle there with, with, yeah. with shed yeah, because sure we love getting out and miles for the piles, man, you know, walking all those miles mm-hmm. and, and, uh, you know, being out there, um, maybe bring our dog along so they can run around. So we're enjoying the experience, yeah. but we don't really want to come home empty handed either. Right. <laughs> you know, we, we want to all have, right. we, yeah. we want to yeah, have that right. antler in hand and, uh, you mm-hmm. know, so I think it's norm- normal, normal. You know what I mean? I think it's and yeah, and yeah. maybe the outdoorsmen who do reach that ultimate level of contentment of I'm just happy to get out and they exist. Believe me, they exist. There's a guy who uh who um uh hunts a farm that Jake and I hunt. Actually we he allowed us to use his stand. We both killed deer out of his stand. Yeah. He passed so many deer yeah. this year. He could have he could have mm. filled his tag so many times over but because he mm-hmm, he wasn't mm-hmm. seeing the age class of buck that he was really interested in he was just loving being out there and and enjoying the experience nice. and so you know yeah th- i i do think that you know it doesn't classify as all outdoorsmen but i think it's pretty normal that you would like to have a nice rack to hang on your wall uh at the end of the season so I guess that was a long.
2: A, <laughs> Thank you for the support. I, for I sure. appreciate I'm, it. <laughs> and you know what?
1: I don't know that. I don't know that I, because I'm so much that way myself. I mean, I love shed hunting. I love, I, I love the feeling of wrapping the tag around the antlers. I, it might sound weird, yeah. but like yeah. that. I don't know what's it take twenty seconds to do that that is yeah. one of the most enjoyable parts of the whole experience for me and i also oh, i yeah. also like to so that's the have part right but then the the doer mm-hmm. part or the experience part do you do the same thing when you already have the deer tagged and everything. Do you go back and try and follow the blood trail just because you want to follow the blood trail? And you want to see, all right where was the impact site? Where was... You want your... You're like, Mm -hmm. you're drinking up the whole experience. You don't get to take that with you, but you get to experience it. So, I don't know. We probably could have made a whole, like, pre-game episode here out of the... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> havers experiencers and and i don't know what you do yes, other than just yeah, good. both yeah. category for 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 people but no i i think i'll always be that way man i think i'll be right there with you you know yeah. where I, part of me is just going to to always want to ha- have that that yep. physical memoir that that you know tangible thing that i can i can put my hands on and uh, attach it to the experience that's stored away in my memory bank but um yeah i'm i'm hoping man i'm i'm hoping like crazy that that i get that bbd text
2: from you uh Mm, very soon and um yes you know oh man You will will seriously be right at the top of my list in in terms of who I reach out to because, you know, obviously we've had so much – so many good things this year and being able to do all these episodes and learn together and, you know, at the end of the day, you know – um, you know, not to sound, you know, uh, whatever, uh, you know, too nostalgic or whatever, but I mean, at the end of the day, all we really have is, uh, our memories yeah, and quality time spent with people. I mean, that's, you know, if I was, and not to say there's not value in, in doing things by yourself and everything, but I mean, if, if I was, you know, I picture, if I was just a hunter and i you know I, let's say you know my my wife and my kids you know weren't into it or you know too young or whatever and i just i didn't have any friends and you know i didn't have any connection and you know just went out and did it i mean there would be a, certainly a sense of of achievement to say man i'm i'm providing for my family you know whatever but man to to be able to connect with people of like mind and and to have those memories and like you said even have things that, that are connected, you know, like right now, right now, you know, as we're talking, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, a deer mount and, uh, you know, can, you know, instantaneously think of the, you know, exactly where I was and that exact story and that particular deer man got on film, you know, my brother was filming me and, you know, so many, you know, things come back to mind and boy, I mean, you know, you, you know, it's, it's something where, you know, you, it's never enough in the sense that, and I think in a, in a good way, it's never enough in the sense of, you know, you want to keep having those memories, you know, you want to keep making those memories and having those enjoyable times, especially with the people that you care about. Um, and so it's, you know, we, we've said this before, but, you know, um, I think life, you know, embodies deer hunting and, and deer hunting embodies life in many ways. You know, you, you want to have a, um, contented discontentedness um, you know, you, you want to be content with with what you have, with the opportunities that you have, but you want to be discontent in the sense that you're you're always striving um, to learn more, to to grow. Um, and so it's it's a it's a fine line, and it's a balance to be had. But you know, it's a it's a journey worth worth traveling. And you know, it's always cool when you can travel it with others and learn together. And that's what we've been able to accomplish it's, this year. So I, definitely, that's a big part of why I'd say you know this year has been really successful is our chance to connect and learn and grow. And so hopefully hopefully we're all hopefully we're talking about you've already had a good cap off to it yeah. so i mean hopefully hopefully we'll we'll you know, maybe good lord will shine some grace down and give me a chance to 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 send that 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 good old bbd text down That's right. to you so we'll see That's what right. happens and you got to you
1: got to put it in the man tribe text group too you know, if i yes. if i was tech savvy enough i could uh, there's a way you can rename those uh texting groups and i would I would name awesome. it the man tribe. Of uh, yes, course I got I to I I give credit there to my wife. She came up with that term. But Yes. No, it's <laughs> it's been fun circulating pictures and seeing what everyone's done this year and yep. and mm-hmm. um man, it, this really wasn't the intent people for this to get like so deep as a uh, as a uh, Jack Black <laughs> says on the School of Rock, so deeply deep. Yeah. So deeply deep <laughs> here
2: well we we have that we this segment is now called the outdoor theology segment so we (laughs) (laughs) oh man yeah that's good. Uh, you know, It's good stuff though. You know, it's good to, good to talk about these things and you know, the, the, the why behind what we do and, you know, man, it's, it, it makes it all worth it, you know? And, and, you know, those, those times where you don't connect, man, you learn, you grow, you enjoy the fellowship. Those times you do connect and you, you ha- you're the one that's able to send that text out, you know, big buck down or whatever. I mean, boy, there's, or like you mentioned, Kent, you know, wrapping your, your tag around an antler. I mean, you know, it, it really is important as much as you can to slow down in those opportunities and really enjoy it, yes. you know, because you know, when you when you think about it, I mean, let let's let's say you're you're an above average hunter, or you know, you're you're growing, you you know, you're getting better as a hunter. I mean, if if you end up getting to the point where you're shooting, you know, one good buck a season, I mean, that's that's a lot more yeah. than what a lot of guys do. But even then, think about it from the standpoint of you know, fifteen seasons. Okay, you've got you know, you get twelve to fifteen bucks down. When you when you really think about that, that's that's still only twelve to fifteen individual experiences where you're going to have yes. specifically that opportunity to put a tag on an antler or or whatever, you know. So I mean, really being able to slow down and really enjoy it, it really becomes key. And I mean, it's so cool to to hear that you. It really it really seems like you were really able to enjoy start to finish the experience of of getting that buck, you know. So I yeah. mean, it's so cool to hear that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And honestly that's that's kind of where I was going here originally and I this you might not know this about me but sometimes I get caught on a rabbit trail. But uh, <laughs> oh, hey, I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> oh man, that that could be my middle name. My students know that too. They try so hard when they when they when they want to get me off topic, they don't have to work too hard. But um You right, right. <laughs> I would I kind of reached that point and I think I talked about that in episode 34 where I just kind of yeah. after everything that had happened in October and even in November I had mm-hmm. some some failed opportunities there. You know, yeah. I just kind of had to take that step back and say, all right, let's go back to ground zero. Why do you like hunting? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And yep. and uh when I shot that buck with my wife this year, mm-hmm. it was that was the gravy of the moment. And I can legitimately mm. say that I, the moment was yep. already there. It was, mm. it was, you know, taking my wife hunting, you know, for her first kind of big hunting experience yes. and, and, uh, just being there, sharing that time with her, watching this big mm-hmm. old raccoon come out, you know, <laughs> crunching through the snow and all these mm-hmm. red-headed woodpeckers fl- uh, flicking around and uh, and mm-hmm. uh uh then you know here comes here comes the buck and by yeah. the, by that point just seeing him and and when i did get the shot down and he, he, he died right mm-hmm. in front of us i mean
3: oh that nice. was yeah
1: the, that whole thing was just the gravy on on the situation mm-hmm. and yeah, You're exactly mm-hmm. right. You know, you get to that point, you start viewing it the right way and you start, you yeah. start breaking it down to, okay, why am I doing this? Who am I sharing this with? On and on. Mm-hmm. The whole, the whole thing becomes so much more enjoyable and so much more fulfilling. Yes. So yes. yeah, if, if anything else, as we close out 2020, mm-hmm. maybe, mm-hmm. maybe focus on that in your last handful of hunts here, people. Focus on enjoying the process, focus on, Mm. on returning to that reason why you first fell in love with hunting or why you even just Mm. maybe not even in love, but just became intrigued by it and, Mm -hmm. and recapture that, that, uh, way of thinking. And, um, I promise you everything else will be that much better. And, and, uh, you know, like I said to Brandon a little while ago here, this buck this year felt better than even my first year, just because Mm. i think i slowed down enjoyed the process and and you know kept things in the right perspective and so we hope you're able to do the same hope brandon is hope jeremiah is and uh, Mm. of course we hope you are first gen listeners if you uh still have yet to fill a tag or maybe you're not even a deer hunter maybe you're just kind enough to listen to us ramble on about deer hunting yeah you know we need to have another uh like waterfowl episode here or yes. pheasant hunting yeah, or quail or something just because uh, mm-hmm. uh we've been we've been pretty deer heavy here but honestly that is for you the listeners because we know a lot of you do deer hunt and yeah. um, we're trying to get as good a content as we can for you out there to help you uh find that that moment where you can wrap your tag around an antler or through a back leg or whatever it is, and um, yes, uh, if you're still if you're still uh, sitting out there weathering the storm, we truly sincerely hope that you have uh, your big moment. And um, you know, speaking of that, I think this episode that you're about to hear in just a couple seconds here is going to make that opportunity much more likely so Mm. until next time people enjoy this episode and uh we'll be uh coming through the airwaves to you here again soon so on to episode 35 a late season discussion here with our good friend mr jeremiah haas (laughs) All right, First geners, you're an extra special, really good fortune in this last episode of 2020. Because mm. not only do we have Mr. Jeremiah Haas on here, who is just, man, we could all listen to hours of Jeremiah Haas. Yes. Learn more than we have in years. But mm-hmm. you get to hear from our favorite veteran hunter, Mr. Brandon Martin of The Hunt Fish Life. Brandon, take
2: it away with the tip of the day, man. Hey, man. You know what, guys? Super excited for end of the season. And, you know, if you guys are like me, you know, sometimes late season can be, man, what what do I do? You know, man, it's it's post-rut. Things are kind of finishing up on that side of things. You know, where, where do I go? What do I do? And that's a lot of what we're talking about in today's episode. One thing I wanted to throw out just as kind of a, a, a quick tip for our tip of the day was, you know, food source, late season food source and stand placement. Um, One thing that can be really helpful when you're looking to, to, you know, for generating a a food source early season, you know, when you're talking about, man, where am I going to put a food source? One thing to strongly consider, maybe you don't have a property that lends itself to having, you know, maybe you don't have that, that beautiful Two-acre food plot field back in the middle of your property. You know, maybe you know mo- most properties don't naturally facilitate that, but maybe you've got a nice open area within the woods that would border a bedding area that gets a little bit of sunlight that you could put down. You know, some version of a, a winter crop or some or some throw and grow type version with some brassicas, turnips, things like that that are really good winter fall winter food source. So, and and quite frankly, you can do that during, you know, the, the early part of the season, September type of time frame. And you can actually save those type of areas, especially if they're designed specifically for the the winter food source for that late season. And what I mean by that is this. One of the things that you'll hear us talking about tonight is, you know, bedding you know, sites, you know, how close to, to bedding, you know, how close to food sources will these deer bed in late season. If you're able to get something in there in an area like that, um, that is advantageous for the prevailing wind, which, of course, this time of year is going to be, You to depending on where you're at in the country, you're going to have a lot of north winds, a lot of west winds, you know, northwest, northeast winds, things like that. If you can design an area that is going to give you a good prevailing wind for that spot, close to a bedding area, and then get in there that late season and get set up advantageously for the wind you're going to really set yourself up well to, to fill a tag in addition to that you know it's a great spot to be getting those pictures you know late season after you know you're just kind of right in post rut now getting those cams set up there repatterning the deer one thing that we really like to do as well on the stand placement side of things is <clears throat> if you're in an area that that has holly trees um, take advantage of holly trees you, know, you can trim those holly trees up they give you a great canopy great cover all year long um, some places don't always have um, the, the holly trees. And I understand that one thing that we really love to do as well is you know, there's always that you ever go in the woods and you're, you you know, if you're, if you're a boy at heart, like me, you know, you go out there and you're like, man, that would be a great area to build a tree stand, um, or a great area to build, you know, just a tree house. You know, like when I was a boy, you know, my, remember my dad building us a tree house out, out back in the hedgerow, you know, I mean, you know, things like that. I'm looking forward to doing that for my kids at some point, you know, you look for those trees that kind of come up, they'll grow in like a unison of like three, almost like three trees together, kind of coming up three or four trees. If you can get a stand into one of those, it works out perfect to be able to, you can put, you know, some canopy around you, you can put some kind of hunting mesh around you, um, or at the very least, you're kind of, kind of in, that, in that cove of cover there that gives you, that breaks up your pattern a little bit. So those are kind of some key things to look for this late season. You know, a lot of us, I know where I'm at. If it's not a holly tree, man, you don't you don't have a whole lot of leaves on those trees and you're 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 sticking out. You you add some snow in the mix, you know, you're really sticking out. So anything you can do to promote that food source you know that's really tight to bedding and then pick a good stand location in a holly tree or in one of those kind of groves of trees growing up with a prevailing wind in a positive way for you boy you're just really magnifying your opportunity to fill a late season tag so hope that's helpful for you guys as we all look to have a good you finish to 2020 and, and hopefully a good start for those of us hunting in january to 2021
1: yeah, that's excellent advice and definitely some some game-changing tips there and, you know, maybe the food situation isn't, isn't within your realm of capability at this point mm-hmm. for this season. Yep, yep. But there's two ways you can respond to that. You can obviously try to make the adjustment for next year, but also mm-hmm. maybe start looking around for uh, permission this year to hunt a different property than you've hunted this yep. year that does have those needs being met and uh, Mm -hmm. you might be surprised what you can uh, turn up at this point in the season and maybe totally change your uh luck on your season but yep no great tips there brandon as always thank you for that and uh we'll get you guys back here to part two of the show with mr jeremiah haas Brandon, if there was a song that we should be playing right now, it would be the Final Countdown. You know that song?
2: Mm. Yes, it's uh, a song cracks me up actually.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The reason is obvious, right? Why Why should we be playing the Final Countdown right now?
2: I mean, we are we are here. You know, kind of these few opportunities remaining. You know, we're excited to try to finish the season on a positive note. So. We are just excited to be able to discuss that tonight and hopefully uh, give everyone some hope and uh, excitement for as we finish things out for the season.
1: Yeah, I like that. I like how you worded that, some hope. I'm going to imagine that there's probably some people feeling a little bit of pressure right now, whether that's good, mm. you know. But we, we got to keep things in perspective. If we talk about that. We're we're having fun, mm-hmm. right? Hunting is fun. Mm-hmm. But, you know, <laughs> if your your freezer's empty and maybe you process your own deer and so uh i don't know i i, I think when we we we've talked about this with our buddy Noel Gandhi before that mm-hmm. uh you mm-hmm. know we can't really justify the expense when it comes to <laughs> <when> <laughs> comes to venison or turkeys or right. pheasants yes. or whatever else cuz uh, all the other money that we spend to get that but you know it it uh probably hurts a little bit more when you spend all that money to get one and you don't get one and then you got to go spend money yeah. on uh beef and pork and everything else <laughs> anyway mm-hmm. so yeah so uh, yeah, there right. might there might be some people who are feeling a little bit of pressure that way or uh maybe you're like me and you have a younger brother who uh smoked a nice buck back in november yes. Or uh, maybe your uh, worst enemy did that. I don't know what it is. You know, your wife's ex-boyfriend. I don't know. But (laughs) you might be feeling that pressure. And so just to know that First Gen Hunter is here to be your wingman, we bring Mm -hmm. in a late-season expert. A familiar voice here on the First Gen Hunter podcast, but you haven't heard from him since, uh, I guess, if you saw the uh, deer season kickoff video clear back at the beginning Mm -hmm. of October otherwise you had to go all the way back to like august and uh our guest is mr jeremiah haas who appeared on i believe it was episode 14 of uh river island bucks very cool Mm -hmm. episode uh one that uh, definitely has uh, given me some future hunting plans that i'm definitely going to try out Mm -hmm. um Didn't get to do it this year. Well, I I, I came close. I did kind of an island hunt on some public land this year, but it was not in the Mississippi River. But uh, Mm -hmm. we are happy to have back Mr. Jeremiah Haas. Jeremiah, thanks so much for coming back on the show. Happy to be
0: on. Thanks again.
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, before we uh, really dive into this, I think I made a brief mention of this in one of our previous episodes. Uh, Brandon and I were going through a um kind of an update of everybody who was in that video i just talked about for the kickoff and just kind of where things stood for them on their deer season and uh we told the heartbreaking tale of what happened to your hunting situation literally one day before uh the season started could you kind of give the listeners a rundown on how that all went
0: well, it was, it was one of those things where you're all ready to go for season. You've got animals picked out. Um, you've done the scouting and then you get the phone call that says the farm has been sold and it's closing on opening day of bow season. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so oh. not exactly the the Christmas present you were expecting, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that was kind of a disappointment this fall.
1: Oh uh, yeah. That's a real gut punch for sure. And, uh, somebody who's. You know, I, I, I think Jeremiah's line of work has probably made it a little bit tougher to settle on an animal that he, he decides to chase after because he spends a lot of time outside and, uh, uh, lays eyes on some, some, uh, quality whitetails that some of us see less than, uh, i don't know five of in our lifetime of hunting and uh so jeremiah has had a few opportunities uh, just from talking with him and in previous conversations but just has not been able to uh, see that animal that that um he really set his goals for this year so are you still holding out any hope for this late season jeremiah
0: um i would to be honest i'm kind of letting the cameras do the work right now um like you mentioned i've been spoiled um (laughs) and where i Mm -hmm. work i do see 170 180 inch deer almost weekly so uh it's it's sometimes it can be tough but at the same time it's enjoyment i mean like you said i i still got the the adrenaline rush as i put the you know scope on a, a decent buck you know and it's just mm-hmm. one of those things where and i did do the island hunting this year and and could have harvested could have filled all my tags you know without much problem some nice animals mm-hmm. but it's just one of those things i enjoy the challenge of hunting an and you know a particular animal especially an mm-hmm. older animal that's smarter than i am um, mm-hmm. but yeah, when when you have the opportunity to to harvest the same deer over and over again it kind of takes a little bit of the, the fun <laughs> out of it yeah right right but not that i'm complaining i've just been very fortunate you know and Mm -hmm. you know and i'm fortunate to still have meat in the freezer so i didn't have any pressures to do such you know to pull the Mm -hmm. trigger on it right yeah but uh yeah my cameras tell me it's time to go and it's the last day of season the middle of january i'll be out there
1: nice (laughs) that's that's the way to that's the way to do it you know uh, a mutual friend of ours he kind of had a a similar thing happened to him except for it wasn't by way of camera uh his, his own two eyes and that would be uh alex Earhart. he uh normally is is a uh gun hunter only and uh he and his dad they they go through uh kind of a you know a tradition uh every year they get together for the a couple of the gun seasons and then um that's pretty much it for him on whitetails Well, this year, (laughs) if you go back to episode 32, you can hear the whole saga, but he had a couple of, uh, you know, big time, uh, just totally, I don't even know if the right word is unforeseeable or... (laughs) Unpre- <laughs> unpredictable moments happened that prevented him from filling his tags and he saw some really nice bucks so he's uh back out there for archery season this year and uh you know best of luck to him to to get those tags filled but yeah i hear you when when uh, uh you it can be a little bit tough to have that motivation this time of year just because of the cold and uh really honestly um it's you know we we don't get to hunt that much out of the year but when hunting season gets here and uh, if you're a bow hunter you're spending quite a few days out in the woods and it starts to wear you down a little bit but um it I, I think uh i think things will turn for you here at some point and hopefully you do get that deer that kind of wanders through there late season and and uh, you'll wonder where he was your whole life and hopefully you can go and get him on the ground but that's exactly what we want to talk about tonight um what we we kind of previewed it there a little bit brandon was talking about it um whether someone's feeling the pressure or not, maybe they're like Alex and they just saw something uh, earlier in the season. They're like, wow, I really need to get after that buck. Or um, maybe you do catch something on trail camera like Jeremiah is talking about. Whatever the reason is, if you are hunting the late season, it's almost like you know you look at all the resources that are out there. And after the rut ends the you know well if, if there was a if we if there was a bell curve of uh, all deer hunting articles ever written you know you'd see you would see that perfect bell curve that would have October hunting way on the left hand side then you would have <laughs> November would be the the huge part of the bell and now we're in the, the little uh, narrow, part of the bell again, the little lip of the bell on the back end of our bell curve, which is the late season. There's just not a lot of great information out there. And uh, probably because the way most people hunt, most tags, most buck tags are filled by November. Um, You know, a lot of States they have their gun seasons in November. Mm -hmm. Um, Iowa doesn't, but the hunting, the bow hunting is just typically so much better in iowa during november that there's just not a lot out there so i figured it would be great to uh, bring in a guy who i know has has uh, put down some really nice animals in the snow and uh pick his brain a little bit and so i i think the first place to start here is biologically how have deer kind of changed for this time of the year so you know, if you're gonna be a good hunter, you got you have to approach it scientifically or you know like a savvy predator, I guess you'd say. And so let's just go ahead and and maybe kind of talk about this post rut activity that deer are doing um, that that someone should expect to see when they're out in the woods. So are you um gonna do any kind of calling or rattling during this post rut phase? jeremiah
0: typically i don't but i will make exceptions um i have had success in january with decoys oh um where i've done late season rattles um i got one broken decoy to prove it Um, (laughs) so it can be done but typically speaking i don't unless i'm on those last couple days where i want to get real aggressive
1: Okay. Uh, That's
0: a good point. You know, this, this time of year, like you said, biologically speaking, a lot of the deer are switching modes, you know, from breeding into feeding and getting ready for winter. And so depending mm-hmm. on, you know, what the weather's doing, you know, this year we've been kind of fortunate we haven't had the big snows until well, actually they're calling for it tomorrow now, our first yeah. big snow. Um, you know, so you, you can kind of play that game a little longer, but usually once the weather gets here the deer really slow down and to me get a little more predictable. Sure. Um, cause they're, 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 they're wanting to eat and keep warm and that's really, and, and make it through winter and all the extra run around, especially for your mature bucks that comes to a real quick halt. You know, they're not going to waste that energy, uh, chasing, you know, maybe the second or third rut, depending on where you're at, um, yeah they're they're time to to drop antlers and get feed and, and and prepare for that winter
1: sure sure so i i'm gonna i'm gonna assume then that most of your tactics are going to bring you into some place that's gonna be right along that bed to feed mode of travel or or uh yeah you know just basically spending your time in in between those areas or i guess that'd be a good place to start at our first question here are you going to choose to be closer to one of those areas over the other bed or bedding or feeding areas
0: well typically this time of year those areas aren't very far apart Okay. Um, depending on where, good point. depending on what your particular hunting property is a lot of times those deer will only bed a hundred or 200 yards from their primary food source, especially <laughs> if it's been a heavy snow. You know, and I'm, I'm speaking of Northern Illinois, you know, so. Mm-hmm, sure. Um, so we get the big shifts in, in weather and we'll get those early heavy snows. And and when, when it does get cold like that, they're gonna hold to, to, you know, that cover and they don't wanna move any farther than they have to. I mean, mm-hmm. the deer do feed all day. They'll feed right in their bedding areas. Mm-hmm. But usually I'm gonna target those transition areas or even those edges right up to those those good food sources and the reason i like that is because i don't have to sit in the stand for four hours when it's <laughs> 10 degrees <laughs> yeah yeah really um, i've been there done that learned my lesson
3: <laughs> um
0: you know what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna try to do a lot of scouting from the road if i can or okay. with cameras i'm gonna try to learn what the pattern is especially if it's been you know seven days with generally speaking the same weather um, you can get an idea about when those deer are going to exit out into the fields, you know, particularly corn or standing beans would be my top two choices, you know, mm-hmm. during late, uh, tree season. But, um, I'm going to try to find those spots. If you have snow on the ground, that's real easy to do because, you know, obviously the trails will tell you where the active trails yeah. are. Um, but that's usually what I'm going to do is try to find some place close where I don't have to sit out in the elements any longer, you know, and, and, and just make sure that I'm ready to go. Um, plus, it's usually a little easier to sneak in there quietly versus trying to get into that cover when you don't know how deep into the cover they may be. Yeah,
1: yeah, right, right. It's a good point.
2: Well, what Jeremiah? What uh, are you trying to this time? Of year, are you trying to identify like different food sources compared to the early season? What are you looking for on the on the the food side of things? Well,
0: like I said, I'm going to be hitting the agricultural fields. Um, mm-hmm. You know, technically, I've been told by by many experts that deer don't yard up in
2: Illinois. So I mm-hmm. will say
0: they concentrate in certain areas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you've got a, a good wind protected bowl or something, you know, wind protected ag field, you know, where you can see 15 animals in a night or something like that, those are the mm-hmm. areas that I'm going to try, try, try to key in. and then try to figure out where they're bedding and get in, get in between there. You know, that's yep. generally speaking.
2: Mm-hmm. Even like
0: here at my, at my home, I, I've got a little five acres next to my home. To my south, I've got 600 acres of corn. In the north, i got 100 acres of woods. Mm. Um, <laughs> I can literally see the deer bedded from my house in a pine grove. I can <laughs> wow. knock and see them. Um, but I know I've actually got a blind. I've, I've got a ground blind in the bowl. And I'm using my cameras to see if there's particular animals I'm after, if they do show up. Or I can mm-hmm. look out my house. I'm mm-hmm. fortunate to have that yeah. that's really what it is this time I'm spending a lot of time scouting before I get mm-hmm. in the field because it's not fun to out there in zero degree wind chills and <laughs> and your equipment doesn't work <laughs> right when you're old and your muscles aren't good and there's there's a lot to that too just the just the endurance to sit in those temperatures and, and be an effective hunter if you do get that opportunity. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I've always, I've always kind of felt, you know, it's like, you know, when, when season's coming and whatnot and you, you know, you, you're, you're excited for those really cold days and everything. And then you get out there and you're like, especially as, you know, I know myself getting older and whatnot, you know, it's like, man, this, uh, this, this, this was a lot nicer when I was thinking of it, you know, now that I'm out here and you know, <laughs> super, it's like, oh man, this is, you know, I love being out here, but man, you know, like you say you, you for a few hours and man, I tell you, it gets a little brutal sometimes
1: mm-hmm yeah and the, there's uh,
2: tricks around that i mean
0: one of my tricks is i use a tw- uh, tw- 20 volt heated vest yeah 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 um and the other thing that does is it keeps me from having bulky clothing on which right i've up, heard too I... many stories over the for guys didn't practice and you know mm. made an errant mm-hmm. shot yeah
1: that's a good point yeah yep that's that's some good advice there. I actually got my wife one of those heated vests, uh, for those who have been following along and, and know about her uh, joining me on my uh, gun season hunt here in Iowa mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. about a little over a week ago, and uh, I, I made sure to order ahead to get her everything <laughs> she needed to be warm so that way uh, we could stay in the stand long enough to uh, yeah. make it happen. Turns out we only needed to be in the stand for about 20 minutes for uh, me to get a... <laughs> Get a buck so. yeah, that's awesome <laughs> didn't really didn't really need the didn't really need the heated just, vest but it was just
0: how you drew it up
1: <laughs> <laughs> right exactly that's right that's right <sighs> knew if i knew if i went and bought all that stuff then it would it, i wouldn't need it thankfully it was for a good reason but uh no that's that's good advice so you know we we've been talking around it a little bit and we even talked about snow coming in and and uh that kind of thing I've heard some guys say that deer will just go into, like, I don't know what the right term is, but, but, like, hyperactive feeding mode if there is a real steep drop in temperature. Now, most people, you know, they subscribe to the idea of hunting a cold front anyways, right, During not even during the late season, early season rut you know we 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 generally associate those cold fronts with a major increase in in deer movement do you see that same thing in the late season jeremiah or are deer pretty much kind of a a regular schedule in the late season do you feel like regardless of uh of a major cold front
0: Well, I think a little bit has to do with the pressure that you got on your animals. Um, Now, for instance, we we mentioned earlier, we've got a major storm coming through Iowa and Illinois here tomorrow.
3: Mm -hmm. I would
0: expect to see animals up feeding first light until the snow flies. I mean, they'll be, I've got a couple of clover fields that I like to watch that I cannot hunt, but um, there'll be deer in there all day. Hmm. Um, even though, I mean, there's access from the road, people will see them and they'll just feed with a front like that. I expect to see animals all day. Um, but yeah, it just comes down to what we talked about. If the the deer know that it's going to get cold, um, or the front's coming, or whatever that event is, they're going to feed heavily and then they're Mm -hmm. just going to sit, you know, they're going to find that cover. And you know, if they get hungry, they may get up and feed around within their cover, but they're not going to expose themselves you know, they're going to ride it through the storm and then get out there and feed again. And sometimes sure. they'll, they'll start feeding before the storm ends. Mm-hmm. But on the front half of the storm, I, you know, you might get a few scragglers, but for the most part, most of those animals are going to hunker down and then wait it out.
1: Sure. So here's, here's a question. I didn't even have planned, but just based on what you're saying here, it made me think of it. If somebody, let's say they took a week off of work and, um, or maybe they're, they're at a plant like uh, where, where you work and there's a shutdown or something where, you know, everyone's work hours change around a little bit. And, you know, maybe all of a sudden now they have some extra time during hunting hours. And uh, they're going to be out this week. And they got the same situation. So tomorrow we get this huge dumping of snow and a big front comes in. But now, you know, the rest, the next several days, they're after that big front. Would it be a good tactic to, so let's say maybe snow on, so tomorrow's Tuesday, so snow Tuesday afternoon into Wednesday late afternoon, we'll say. If somebody could get out Wednesday afternoon, would it be smart for them to... Um, now they'd have to be really careful here because as you just said, with how much pressure on these deer, all these deer have survived a gun season now. And, uh, you know, some of them have probably even survived a couple of deer drives and, and they've, they're pretty, uh, leery of people, but would it be smart for someone to try and set up closer and maybe even inside the edge of that cover to try and get a shot at some of those deer that are feeding around in inside their cover areas or should they just hang it up for that Wednesday night and wait till, you know, maybe the next morning or the next evening when those deer will be more active after that big storm event. Um,
0: If you've got the space and you want to be aggressive, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But again, you just, without knowing exactly where those animals are, I would be leery to do it, especially if there was a particular animal I was after. Sure. the other thing you got to remember is, is now with the leaves all down and and a white snow, you know, even if you're setting up in the dark, you can see about a hundred yards. I mean, it's a full moon tonight and I can see all the way down to Mike creek, which is 250 yards in the dark. So, um, if you got a little handheld thermal scope, um, you know, I use those quite often for entry and exit and you can verify they're not there then yeah there's nothing wrong with being aggressive and trying to get in there um you know in the scenario you you said as far as the storm um i think uh you know getting in there wednesday evening i think there's a chance they may already be out in the fields you know if you're you're hunting that transition um but i definitely would be there thursday morning for sure
1: okay that's good advice too bad uh, this episode will drop right after the, yeah. <laughs> after our biggest. <laughs> snowstorm. That's
2: right. Well, Jeremiah, I was, was going to ask you too. I mean, what are your thoughts about, you know, obviously talking about pressure and things like that. And, you know, for, for anyone who's blessed to be able to maybe have a property or an area where maybe they've been able to utilize a portion of it as a sanctuary, you know, mm. low pressure, you know, you see question. any value, extra value in that, especially come late season.
0: Um, yeah. I mean, if you've got a sanctuary area and you wanted to hunt, I mean, this is the time of year to do it. Yeah. Um, you go ahead and give it a shot. Like I said, you can be aggressive. You've only got two weeks left or a week left yeah. or however long you've got. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, that's, you know, it's, it's, it's Katie bar the door. If you've got a tag, you really want to fill and yeah. you know, go for it. Cause it's, you're not going to, you're not going to get it sitting in the house. Um, yeah. so yeah, I mean, there's, you learn every time you go out. That's the other thing. Um, yes. you know, guidelines, you know, this works most of the time, this, you know, something else may work another time, but unless you go out and try things, you, you don't, you don't learn. Um, and, yep. and again, that, that 170 inch deer that nobody's ever seen may show up yeah, you just right. don't know because nobody's ever, I mean, there's, there's a lot of hunters out there that shoot their biggest deer of their life as their first deer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, they start listening to all the experts, and then they can't <laughs> catch them. But so again, you know, the best thing you do is get out there and learn the property and, and learn mm-hmm. the the habits. Because if you've got an old matriarch doe in the property, she's going to teach everybody else what to do, and those yeah. those habits will run, you know, through multiple generations. And then, mm-hmm. barring a major change in habitat or or something like that, those patterns will last
1: yeah yep definitely that's good that's a good question brandon great advice there jeremiah okay so here's something that we know um uh you take very seriously and actually just from from talking with you um i've kind of upped my game a little bit with how i i handle this you're big on scent control and uh Brandon and I, I think uh, we would say that we're very close to where, where your theory is on scent mm-hmm. control, um, which is interesting because <laughs> we ask that question almost every time we do a deer episode, and yeah. uh, the the answers are very... Uh, much so, all over the, the board. Yeah. yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's, it's good to know that we're talking to somebody who's like minded here. There's not, yes. gonna, there's not gonna be an awkward uh, silence, um, <laughs> but we know that you take your uh, scent control seriously. In fact, you um, oftentimes will bring a uh, ozone generator into the stand with you during the late season. I have heard it said that scent is even more difficult to manage in the cold air is that is that kind of uh your thought as well
0: well i you know from my observations absolutely um and you mentioned the ozone so i'll bring into that um early season october you know even november laws the wa- the weather is warm um, mm-hmm. i will use those in the stand but once we get cold and there's snow on the ground i will use ozone to basically deodorize my, my clothes Mm -hmm. and I do not use it in the field. And I've got a multitude of experiences of deer, you know, even in November, but we had snow on the ground. Um, it was about two, three years ago. We had those early November snows and you know, the deer will will smell it, but it's an alarm because it's so overwhelming compared to the rest of the smells around them. Um, yeah, I, i i made many 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 mistakes learning you know with the ozone with the snow and yeah so mm-hmm. that's what i do and i've been very successful with that change so yeah. it still has a it still has a, a component to it but i do not take it out in the field i think you can overwhelm the deer pretty quickly good
1: very good information there that could really uh, help somebody if, if they're using one of those so um besides just doing that ozone treatment before you get out in the field are you using any other kind of cover scent or are you basically treating your clothes with ozone and then trying to play the wind as best as you can
0: yeah I'm, i'm on that side i'll treat all my clothes every night um you know boots everything that's in there Um, I'm one of those guys that'll walk to the stand in long underwear and then put clothes on (laughs) to make sure I don't sweat and freeze all the way Mm -hmm. there. Um, but yeah, that's, that's generally speaking what I'm going to do. Um, I don't, the spray scents I'll use on occasion. The problem is they freeze in my truck.
3: Mm -hmm. So
0: that's That's one of those things where I'll do it back at the shop if necessary. But, uh, for the most part, I just stick with the ozone. And then again, if you can play the wind, go for it if you need to be aggressive you know, and not play the wind and, you know, determine your situation and move forward, but that's good. Advice. Nothing's perfect. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, are you now, I know a lot of guys, you know, they're, they're primarily doing the evening hunts early season and then, you know, transition to morning, evening, you know, October, November, do you kind of transition typically back to like evening hunts primarily this time of year, or are you you're pretty open to the, to the AM as well?
0: Well, I'll, uh, I like both. Um, The thing is usually first morning, uh, first thing in the morning, first light, the deer, you know, if I'm in a situation where I know the deer aren't in the field at first light, Mm -hmm. then Mm -hmm. I can hunt. But I'm not going to, if I've got an established pattern, I'm not going to jeopardize that pattern just because I want to get out and hunt, you know, an extra morning. You know, if that's the only morning I I can do it, then I'll, then I'll do it. But, uh, you know, especially with snow cover. Or like I said, if handheld thermals or there's any way that you can, you know, get some insight on what's out in the field, you know, because they're going to pick you up. Um, You know, there's some tricks when you you get caught, but they're Mm -hmm. not perfect either. Um, But, yeah, I'm going to try to make this a perfect chance of not spooking anything because, again, if they're concentrating on feeding... You know, then then you're one ahead of them. They're not looking for a predator, and they're not looking in the
2: trees, and you've got the yep. the edge on harvesting that animal. Hmm. Yes, that's, point. that's good. That's good. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, it's 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 been interesting. Like you know, for our group this year, you know, we've we've not usually been super excited with late season, but this year, you know, especially we've just kind of been able to get the the pattern set on a few different bucks and just have, have put the slip on us a few times, but man, I mean, it's been, it's been exciting to kind of get re-patterned on deer late season. You know, you, you figure you got the, the early season, uh, summer ranges and patterns, and then they transition and almost like what you're saying, they kind of almost transition back to that just heavy feeding type of thing. And, and so, I mean, you just get, I mean, it really gives, you know, if you, if you, if you have a, a good food source, and, you know, the bedding area, I mean, you really stand a great chance to fill a tag late season if you can be smart about, you know, playing the wind right and all that type of good stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and like I said, you know, you're you're maximizing good opportunities because, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like early season where you're just happy to go sit. You know, these, yeah. these take effort and mental yeah. anguish to go sit yes. in a tree or <laughs> sit in a pine, you know, for two hours, you know, when it's freezing cold. Um, yes. You know, and, and it's just you want to – you want to have the right mental attitude. You want to know your equipment's going to run right. So I try to I try to spend more time in a warm truck glassing than oh, yeah. I do, you know, yeah. scouting from a tree if possible. Right, right.
1: Yeah, that's that's good advice. That's that's working smarter and not harder necessarily. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but. But who are we kidding? Hunting is almost always hard work if you're going to be successful. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Speaking of hard work and, and hunting in and Brandon's late season, based on your social media activity, Brandon, looks like you're going to be uh, wearing ice skates to your, your uh, oh my stand here it's, soon.
2: <laughs> actually, well, you know, it's funny. I was actually, I was, I was out the other day, I, that picture that I posted, and, uh, I mean, I had, I had ducks coming in on me, you know, <laughs> I mean, I was like, I, I really, I think we're going to put a, a duck line back there, you know, cause every year actually it's gotten worse and worse with the, and it's really good for deer. I mean, like the deer, it's actually, that's an interesting little spot back there. Cause you know, uh, just like Jeremiah was just commenting, you know, many times the deer will bed this time of year, very tight to food. And so there's, there's just this like little five acre sanctuary that we have on that, on that property, um, um, And it's, you know, you've got that, this, this big, you know, kind of uh, uh, almost kind of little valley in there that, you know, you get all that, all that standing water, you know, one or two foot of standing water, but then it rises and you've got just a, you know, a, a couple acres, you know, bordering a field that's very thick that dries out because it's, you know, increased elevation and it, they just hang tight in there that hmm. night. I mean, I had a nice six point, you know, a couple years, it, it'll be, you know, something a little better, but I mean, it was, it was cool, you know. Worked out perfect, you know. Wind was just right for it. every everything was right. I mean, if it was a if it was a good buck, man, I'd have had a 18 yard shot on him. So I mean, it's cool wow. to see things work out. You know, even you know, sometimes you think, man, this is the most ridiculous setup. I'm like hunting, you know, a, a pond. I mean, but you know, sometimes it's just the weirdest setups like that that work the best. So I mean, it's kind of kind of neat to see how those things play out sometimes.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that brings up another question I wanted to ask you uh before we transition here from this deer biology side of things, Jeremiah. Do you ever prioritize water sources in the late season? I mean, once everything's kind of frozen over, have you found that deer will kind of congregate around an area where they can almost bust through the ice a little bit or find some uh unfrozen water sources?
0: Uh I haven't, to be honest. I haven't spent a lot okay, of time yeah. on that. Most of the areas that I hunt, yeah, you know, obviously if I'm hunting river islands, that's never a problem. Um <laughs> but, <you> know, <laughs> yeah, I, i haven't you know just because i'm going to key more on the food um i i would do more water early season when it's hot when you got those 70 80 90 degree days but uh no i haven't and that's probably something i should look at
1: yeah yeah i've I've, just thought of it today when i was typing up these questions but yeah might be might be something i'll i'll take a look at too down the road Okay, so as we transition here, let's let's move over to just the stand placement side of the late season here. So we know that you're hunting uh, kind of these transition areas between bed to food, and, that, and I, I love that point you made. I never heard that before, but it makes a ton of sense that that transition area really gets narrowed down um, distance-wise during the late season, uh, trying to conserve those calories, not leave the the cover of that good thermal bedding and and all that but now when it's time to put a tree stand out if first of all let's just start with this question are are you going to move any stands during the late season or do you feel that the deer have endured so much pressure at this point that trying to pull something off like that Especially during the day when they're oftentimes bedded down pretty much all day, is that just too risky to do, or how how are you going to go about that?
0: Typically, I'm going to have had to set that stand, you know, probably back in June sure. in case that opportunity happens. Um, yeah. On the other hand, if I know I've got an animal, um, give you an example, you know, I've got a split G uh, split G two twelve that runs by the house here, and if I thought you know not so much this year but next year um you know if i thought he was popping over in a particular spot i would put on a hang on stand real quick i'd use like uh sticks the hang on sticks i wouldn't put mm-hmm. a like a big two-man stand up sure. i would do something real real low key and i probably would hunt it immediately i would probably mm-hmm. try to set it that afternoon you know if i knew i had the time And then I would probably hunt it immediately that first night. I probably wouldn't hang it and leave.
1: Okay. So would you, so building off that, I like that. Uh, That's a, that's a good, you answered another one of my questions there. Would you leave that stand there then just to keep it there till the rest of the season? Or do you feel that? the impact of scent being on that stand or just them kind of starting to notice, Hey, that wasn't there all year long until now. Do you feel like that would leave too much impact or would you keep it there um, and continue to hunt there as the conditions allowed?
0: I probably would leave it there at that point. Um, you've already, you've already sent it up the area
1: just by entering it, you know, right. by
0: going through the process of putting up the stand, um, you know, you know, and of course, that's going to be based on the feedback you got from the hunt. You know, if you did mm-hmm. see animals or you needed to make a change, but generally speaking, I would leave it there, especially when there's only, you know, say a couple of weeks left if you're doing late season bow hunt, um, you know, cause the damage has already been done to go in there, to intrude on it, to yeah. put up the stand. So I'm just as soon leave it, the, the hang on sticks, I think are much less intrusive than putting up a, a ladder stand, you right. know, two man yeah. ladder. Um, you know, and, and like I said, the ones I use, I actually have them somewhat camouflaged up and I tend to hunt high. I usually hunt 15 to 20 or more as far Mm -hmm. as height. Okay. Yeah. uh, Four stick guy, right? (laughs) Uh, yeah. And then I'm six, eight. So my sticks are not farther (laughs) apart. (laughs) That's true
1: that's a good point
0: my hunting buddies have learned the hard way when they got to the spot <laughs> <They had> to <laughs> right. Go right up there um but that's generally speaking if you've already done the intrusion you've already left the scent to do it um if you've got the stands available you know if you've got the equipment available to do it i'd probably just leave it you know because okay. if you went through that effort you know it's it's got potential you wouldn't just yeah. you know willy-nilly do it so
1: yeah, yeah that's good advice okay yeah so got your stand hung up um, you you're in this transition area now if let's say if you had so we're gonna go here we'll say we're in January so in in Illinois I think it's January 17th or something around that range when when uh, bow season ends mm-hmm. are you going to as you get closer to that January 17th date, are you going to kind of start throwing caution to the wind a little bit more and just really get as aggressive as you possibly can? As you get closer to that date, are you pretty much going to be even keel? This is my late season strategy and either it'll work or it won't work.
0: Uh, Again, it goes back to how desperate I am to fill tags and that's in it. For me, and I've been fortunate to be hunting for 20 plus years, and, you know, if I've got meat in the freezer, I'm going to probably let them go till next year um, if there's a particular animal I'm after. Um, Another thing to consider is, you know, if if you do, let's say you've got that buck, you've got that animal you're after, you pressure them too much, you might push them out and lose your opportunity to pick up those sheds. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I think of that too, yep. No, I so, I mean, cause that's a big part of it too. You know, there's a lot of value and joy in finding those sheds and knowing that he made it through. Um, yep. but yeah, I mean, it all depends on the scenario. I mean, in Illinois too, you've also got the late antlerless only season. So that's in that right, you can yeah. take the muzzleloader out there and usually fill that doe tag if you really need to, if you've been hunting and you've got these guys patterned, you know, you just extend your range to 150 yards. So, right. um, you know again, those are all variables i'll put into that equation and um but yeah sometimes you know you got that one last chance at a guy that you're chasing you know and that's where i've done the decoys and the rattling and you know had some success and a lot of failures um but again it's one of those things you got to learn and try and every deer is going to react a little different based on you know their experiences the last two or three months
1: yeah yeah that's that's wise advice there And one other thing here specifically about where you're setting up, you know, one, and I've, I've haven't done a ton of tree stand hunting prior to this season, but, um, now that I am doing more of it, uh, you know, you start to think about these things and the amount of cover once the leaf drop happens, goes to <laughs> i don't know maybe mm-hmm. 10 10 of what it was prior to that are you being pretty choosy on a tree that's got a whole bunch of other branches and things that are going to help camouflage you or are you pretty much just embracing the fact that i just got to find a good enough tree that i can get up in or like you said climb a little bit higher so they aren't if they do look up they're not they're going to have to really make an effort to see you how do you kind of handle that side of it
0: well there's a couple of things when i consider a tree stand tree um first you know it's got to be within a, a good shot range of, of where i believe the animals are going to enter and exit you know, especially in the winter time when they get a little more patternable and they'll basically be going nose to butt you know as they come through the woods so mm-hmm. um second thing like you said having that that cover behind you or around you is very important i tend to like to be in the biggest trees i can Okay. Um, you know, I carry the 15 ratchet straps, you know, if I need to use those, I'll, I'll use them, yeah. um, usually in gray and carefully, your buckles aren't silver, which I love the manufacturers right. that do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. but, uh, that's what, those are the main things. And then I'm going to consider my shop placement, you know, or my stand placement, um, because I don't want to be looking North or West or Northwest where the wind's going to be in my face the whole time. Mm-hmm. or i'm be really looking at that evening sun in my face if it's yeah. more southwest you know, where mm-hmm. you can't see um so you're either going to freeze you're going to be blind <laughs> or you're going to have to turn all the way around in the stand you so you know, so, uh, you know if, if i'm looking at it i want to be able to shoot to my left as a right-hander without mm-hmm. having to move much mm-hmm. so those are all things i'm going to consider when i'm looking at it and the lean of the tree um, uh, maybe not as much on the lean this time of year because I don't tend to sit more than about two hours. You know, if I was sitting all day, then I consider the lean. You know, so mm-hmm. I have that backrest things, but, but yeah, cool. I mean, comfort and and the most minimal amount of movement I can come up with, you know, yeah. and being able to watch, you know, what where the animals are coming from. So it's just my binoculars moving, and that's a yeah. good time to learn how to practice shooting from sitting position too. You yeah, so you just
1: pulling yeah. shooting. Yeah, that's good. Yeah,
2: that's good. I mean, I know one thing that we enjoy here in Delaware, and I don't know if you guys have it as much, uh, you know, out in the Midwest, um, we'll get some giant holly trees out out here. And I mean, some some of those trees, you know, for not so much for, you know, of course, the hang on side of things, but you know, the ladder stands and whatnot, man, sometimes we love, you know, if if it's a, you know, just a age old, you know, trail that is kind of good early season to late season, you know, between a food source and bedding, you know, depending on prevailing winds, man, sometimes those holly trees, man, you just, you got that great canopy around you and you've got that great cover that just lasts from, you know, August till forever, you know, so if, that's, that's kind of benefited us out here in Delaware. but I don't, I know that not everywhere, you know, ha, always has a lot of those.
0: Yeah. For us, it's the pin oaks. If you can find a pin oak that you can get in, that'll hold its leaves until March or April. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, and you literally dance up there and then the other thing too is there's any wind at all it's going to give you cover noise Um, right my favorite and and really it's it's all season long my favorites are those oaks that they give you that natural cover within the canopy and you just have to hollow out a little bowl where you can you know turn and go um yeah yeah actually my, my most favorite fun tree stand of all time is a big pin oak that and you can hunt that thing till march and nothing's gonna see you
1: so yeah, that's, nice. that that's was awesome. That's I, great too. I would
0: probably move my location to shoot a deer. You know, I would, I would go into a marginal area if I get in a tree like that, because I know yes. I will not get caught in that yeah, tree. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And
2: that's it great. gives
0: you the flexibility to shoot left or right or turn around and watch who's mm-hmm. coming. You know, that's yep. if the, when the deer are moving in groups like that, you know, and you decide you want to harvest one being able to pick out that animal you want you know having the time and the movement and being on the glass true, them yeah. is invaluable yeah well said Very that's, low a, low that's an you, excellent you point shoot one then you feel you know the bigger yeah. one was back there because you didn't take the time to scout the whole train
2: of deer right yeah 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 yeah, yeah
1: that's an excellent point I, I never even would have thought of that but you're exactly right when you get in the stand and you don't have that cover Sometimes I've had it where you'll have deer that are right within shooting range of you, but... You, there's just no way you can take that shot because any movement at all is your your toast and so yeah right uh you're exactly right it's kind of almost becomes this panicked moment when they turn their head okay now i gotta hurry up and rush well is that really the deer you were wanting to be shooting at or are you going to actually be able to go through good shot mechanics yeah that's a great point and, and that is true about oaks you know a lot of oak trees will hold their will hold their leaves even into spring so that's uh that's a great point i never even thought of now everyone's gonna be looking for those oak trees
0: (laughs) a couple years ago i was fortunate to hunt out of an outfitter in pike county illinois i got invited to go down there and the guide put me on a point and we had snow this was in november during the rut and we had snow and it was really cold and he said i gotta stand on this point up there he goes you're probably gonna see some deer and and I bumped deer getting to it and you know, used kind of some of the tricks and and got up in the stand and I realized that he must be a left-hander because he set it up for left-handed. Hmm. And hmm. no sooner that I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do, I had a doe walk in at me and it was really a low stand. We had snow, I mean, no cover. And so hmm. I had to sit there. And then I yeah. had 160 10 point come down and sit next to me at seven yard. <laughs> and I'm looking at my bow and I'm looking at the deer, and I'm I'm stuck. There's nothing yeah. I can do. Yeah. And I sat there for, it had to be at least 20 minutes. It seemed like all morning, but he yeah. stayed within about 20 yards of me, and then he finally caught a little whiff of something, didn't mm. like it, bound like two steps, and then he just walked away, and mm. the doe sat there and fed. Like you said, if you don't have those things, you, you can get a great story out of it, but <laughs> I would have been a lot warmer and had a deer filled and been back by you know, eight o'clock had had the, right. the guy taken thought of those kind of things right because yeah his spot right. was great but the, <laughs> the setup of the stand really didn't allow you to to hunt it correctly
1: yeah yeah that's a, yeah. That's, a that's a really good consideration there okay well as we uh kind of hit our last little little uh segment here of this episode I, w- I wanted to give you a couple scenarios, and we've been talking through scenarios this whole time, I guess, in a, w- in a way, but I want to kind of just bounce some things off of you that I think would probably apply to a lot of hunters uh, tuning in uh, that may still be hitting the or, or hunting the late season. So, this first scenario is you have to hunt a morning because that's the only time you have available. Maybe uh, you work second shift or something like that. But uh, you have to hunt in the morning. Your freezer is empty, so now we're turning up that pressure that we talked about at the beginning of the, the episode here. And uh, the only private ground that you are able to hunt, so maybe permission, maybe own it, whatever it is, has really good thermal you know cover or bedding area so you know lots of deer during the day there's going to be a lot of those pine trees firs cedars all that good thermal windbreak type cover and the bedding this bedding area that I just described is surrounded by both corn and beans so in other words a lot of ag and you kind of have a choice as to which of those you want to focus on. Uh, but both are harvested already. So there's no standing corn or no standing beans left. And the axis is less than ideal. The only access, uh, is this, this fence line that kind of runs back to that bedding area. And there's maybe, you know, some mulberry trees or, uh, Maybe some cedar trees that have grown up in that fence line. So you can kind of screen yourself a little bit. uh, But you have to hunt the morning. And uh, you have food and this really good bedding, but it's just kind of tough to access. What are you going to do? Are you going to hunt a travel route on the way in? Or are you going to try and creep into the edge of that bedding? What are you thinking here?
0: Well, I mean, if you're able to get in there and if you... (sighs) i'm going to try to figure out whether or not i've got animals in the field already and i'm going to if if you've got like all those little thermal cams that works well i know most people don't have those even a good set of binoculars especially if there's snow on the ground you can pick up that extra light and you don't need to identify you know what kind of deer you just need to know if somebody's out there that you're going to Um so i'm gonna i'm gonna probably sneak in there try to figure out if there's anybody there and i'm probably gonna sit on the edge um, but again, it all comes down to how aggressive. And if that's my only day, maybe I'll sneak in a little further because um, I want to try to catch them as they're coming back in if they're out there, and vice versa. You know, if if, you, mm-hmm. if I think they're going to go out to the field, then I can sit right on the edge, find a good place to to, to have good cover, you know, and and, and good shot uh, lanes, and go that route. But uh, yeah, that's a tough scenario.
3: Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs>
0: where you just. But if that's all you got, you do the best way you can, you know, and that's mm-hmm. the big thing is you go in there, you learn, you spook them. And then next year, you know how to adapt and how to change up and how mm-hmm. to do it differently the next time,
1: Yeah, you know, and that's yep. the
0: biggest thing there. Um, but yeah, for me, normally I'm going to put it on the edge. I'm going to try not to intrude in because I am, with my size 15 feet, I am not a quiet animal. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm going to try to stay off those. I'm going to use the quietest path I can to get in there. And I want those deer to be as, you know, nonchalant on their, on their feeding morning. You know, that's when you get the does wandering around and stuff. And mm-hmm. if you're really after that, you know, get some meat in the freezer, um, I'm going to try to be as quiet and just, you know, let them know that there's nothing wrong and I don't want to spook anything. So.
1: Sure. Yeah. Well, that's good advice. Definitely. Okay, so now the the next situation here, you got more options, uh, except for okay. you have to hunt in the evenings. Uh, maybe it's uh, um, maybe you're just kind of taking uh, some vacation hours here, but for whatever reason, you have uh, you have to work every single day of the week, Monday through Friday, but you have the last three hours of daylight left to hunt and you have three private hunting locations that you uh have permission or access to hunt um one of the properties that you can hunt is uh kind of similar to uh, the one we just described where you have this really good bedding cover um but the difference that you have now is there's like no food on this property could be because uh, there was uh, some fall tilling and now all your ag fields are mud fields Um, could just be uh, there's so much pasture whatever the reason there's just there's pretty much no food just good bedding the neighbors have the food Um, so there is food close by but definitely not where you're hunting The second property has plenty of food, and it has some, like, you know, fingers of timber, you know, general edge that deer like. And so there's some fairly busy travel routes kind of running out to those feeding areas, but there's, like, zero bedding cover. So any deer that end up there are there because they're either traveling to feed or traveling back from feeding. Mm -hmm. And then the final property, which probably describes a lot of the places here in the Midwest where we have these super vast ag fields, you have a small woodlot that holds at most five deer. Could be like a little doe family. Could be, you know, maybe a couple of bucks and and a doe and twins, whatever. Uh, But five or less deer plenty of food though there's ag everywhere um but the axis is really tough because this woodlot sits back from we'll say the road you know maybe 150 200 yards and because there's so much ag you know it's kind of you're you're it's going to be tough to not be you know really visible on the horizon there as you're you're getting back in there so You don't have to hunt all of these properties. You can choose to just do one of them. You can do two of them, or you could do all three. And I'll even let you choose your um, weather conditions here for where you'd want to be. But, again, just a real quick synopsis. you got the one with the good bedding, but no food, all the food's on the neighbors. The second property has tons of food, but no bedding, just some, you know, uh, timberline travel routes. And the third one is... uh, a minimal amount of bedding, a lot of ag, very poor access. How are you going to okay. use your five days of, of, uh, time to hunt?
0: Okay. Well, of the three scenarios or the three properties you mentioned, the nice thing is you got three properties in five days. So yeah. if you do mm-hmm. goof one up, you've got other options. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. my favorite would be, would be number two, uh, with the food and the travel route, because, hopefully I've already got stands established on some of those points or whatever, sure, you've mm-hmm. got, however you've described it. Um, so the key there to me with any kind of hunt, the first thing is always entry and exit routes because if you go in there and blow everything out, it's going to be a cold set, you know, especially <laughs> this time of year. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: Um, you know, so that's always going to be your first priority. Um, so that would be my first choice to be scenario number two, um, but for scenario one and three, I'll give you some other ideas. If for scenario one, if I've got a, a, a snowstorm or something that's that's going on, say the snowstorm's pretty much gone through, but there's still, you know, a little bit of a blizzard, you know, or at least visibility's dropped considerably. Sure. That mm-hmm. might be a scenario if I can get the wind in my face, especially in Illinois where they let you play with crossbows, um, just yeah. to do a little still hunting through there. You never know mm-hmm. what might happen. Um, I, I harvested a deer one time at fifteen yards as it was bedded in a in this this exact scenario. I was actually in a in a state public hunting area, walked right past it, never made eye contact, was able to knock my bow, draw a turn and as I'm walking and harvested a doe that way. And I was wow. never more than fifteen feet <laughs> in the whole process because I never mm-hmm. made eye contact with her. So it can be done. Um so and it would be a fun hunt too, especially if you got, you know, five days to hunt. Yeah. And, um and that might also work with that small access, that five acres on, you know, with bad access where you have, you know, a little bit of snow going on that, that restricts visibility. Um, so you might be able to get in there, especially if it's a small acreage like that, you probably already got a stand or two up. So again, mm-hmm. it's all about getting in, getting quiet. Because if you got a little five acres, they, you know, if they've got per- perfect visibility, odds are they're going to see you coming, right? Which is going to kind of ruin your. So, but again, if the weather is cooperating, if you've got bad weather, that mm-hmm. might be an option. Um, but yeah, number two is definitely my favorite. I'm going to hopefully have stuff set up on those points already. Uh, if you don't, um, if you can get in there early, get in there quiet uh, and try to set up that, that hanging stand like we described earlier, you know, with the hang on sticks, something that's very quiet um, and just get in and hunt it um that would be by far my favorite um and obviously you're gonna have very easy sign to see around you you know if you're in a snow situation or something like Mm -hmm. that yeah that's a good point it's gonna give you confidence to 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 do it as well Yeah, but um yeah those three i would definitely take the food i'm gonna i'm gonna go for food any day over the other ones um especially scenario one there may be food on the neighbor's property but you don't know exactly where they're bedded um, mm-hmm. and if they're going to travel to that, to that food. So, you know, wind, depending everything, you know, there's a lot of variables there, but yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Give me number two every day and it's on Sunday. Well, <laughs> and, and
2: I, I, I do appreciate what you're, you say too, Jeremiah, because you are know, just saying like, you, you got to get out there and you got to learn and you got to, you know, what you have, not everyone, you know, depending on time of year and whatnot, you may not have the most ideal situation, but you know, you make the best of what you have and that's part of um, learning and getting out and having your own adventure. Like we've talked about a lot. So, I mean, that, you know, kind of, it's kind of cool this time of year to to be able to be more aggressive kind of gives you that ability to hopefully learn on the fly a little bit. And, you know, whereas earlier in the season, you know, maybe a little more timid, you know, kind of wanted to save some of those areas, you know, this is, that last chance in the season. So a chance to get a little aggressive and hopefully learn a little bit to finish out the season. So I appreciate the encouragement to just get out there and and learn, you know, figure it out, you know, you got to experience some of it. Can't, you know, hard to, uh, hard to replace boots on the ground and real experience out there. So kind of good encouragement to everyone to be willing to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know,
0: it's, it's kind of like other sports analogies, you know, you leave it all on the field or leave it all on the court. You know yeah he, at least at the end of the season if you haven't filled that tag you know you did your best and and you're motivated yes. for the next year yeah yes. definitely. Well said, you yeah definitely and that's that's a big part but, Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah probably the biggest tip that i'm picking up here and and there's so much here to to break down and the thing i love about it is i get to listen to all these episodes at least twice because i go back mm-hmm. and and edit it and then <laughs> uh and then i always uh give it a, a listen once it's uh once it's live but so i'll I'll get much more from this than even i have in the conversation now but a common theme i'm seeing here is kind of the opposite of what a lot of people view the late season as you know a lot of people view the late season as oh the deer have already been uh you know they've already rutted uh the, your best days are behind you they've been pushed real hard by the gun season man it's just yeah you might get lucky and you might get a deer but you're instead looking at it as no there are some specific um qualities that are only available during the late season use those mm-hmm. to your advantage and that, i think that's a great point and kind of in that that uh scope here you know what would be your final overall advice for someone still needing to fill a tag this late season? What would be your your uh, little pep talk you'd give them? Well, my first thing would tell you is go practice shooting
0: in the cold because mm-hmm. it's the worst thing that can happen is you've you've put out the time and the energy to do this and you draw back your bow. And you've got a puffy coat or you've Mm. got a face mask that doesn't allow you to anchor correctly or Mm -hmm. because you're wearing a glove, your, your, uh, release doesn't fit right. And you Mm. don't realize that until, you know, so go out and practice with just, you know, what you're going to hunt in, you know, it may Mm -hmm. be warm. You might have to do it in August and it might be very uncomfortable and you'll have to wash your clothes four times to get all the smell out of it, (laughs) but you've got to practice that. Because, yeah, you know, otherwise you're, you're going to be all the way up to that, that, that point of, of no return and you're going to have failure because you weren't prepared for it. Mm-hmm. And it's a scenario mm-hmm. that we do very often. Well. And so you don't go through the mental, um, exercises of, of what it takes to have that kind of equipment on to hunt in those conditions. So, yeah. but yeah, as far as final advice is it just takes practice and every, yeah. every woodlot is going to be different. Every, you know, scenario with weather is going to change. And that's the fun of hunting. You know, if yeah. it was easy, you know, everybody would do it. And if it mm-hmm. wasn't a challenge, it would, you would do it for a couple of years and then you would quit. Because yeah. Because there yeah. wouldn't be any, do it anymore. So yeah. that's it. I mean, you know, protect yourself, you know, make sure you don't get frostbite and ask my brother about that sometime. Oh no. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's just thinking about all those different things of what you would do when you're out there shoveling snow. Now go yeah. hunting that. You know, the yeah. big boots, the heavy gloves, the face masks, all those things. And
1: just be prepared. Yeah. yeah. Good advice. Very good advice. Yeah. And um I guess uh from somebody who's This will be my first time hunting the late season with a bow, Uh, Mm -hmm. but uh, from somebody who's hunted some late muzzleloader seasons, almost uh, every year that I've hunted, actually, I've taken some time to hunt the late muzzleloader season. Uh, Exactly what Jeremiah is saying. Make sure you're able to be comfortable enough, um, not just for safety, too. I mean, that's number one, of course, but you got to still put in the time in order to, to see the see the deer and um you know we uh, another thing i've tried to work on is you know you almost start to outsmart yourself a little bit and you start start mm-hmm. to say well this is what deer do this time of year but you don't know if i mean your neighbor all of a sudden decides to start ripping around on his ATV over on his property and that starts sending deer your way or someone's dog got loose and they're, you know, chasing deer over on a neighboring property or something like that, you know, so, so hold tight and, and, uh, keep your, keep your hopes up and by all means have fun doing it. That's why we do it. That's, that's reason number one. So, Jeremiah, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Real quick here before uh, uh, we uh, close out, um, you uh, put out quite a bit of content yourself. Um, where can people track down uh, your articles at?
0: Um, well, I write um, for Midwest Outdoors. Um, I've got I'm just a contributor with them. Um, I've got my own column in Illinois Outdoor News. And then locally here in the Quad Cities, here on the Illinois Iowa border, uh, I write for the Quad City Times and the uh, Moline Dispatch as the regular outdoor writer once a week. So, uh, usually just Google. You know, Mister Google knows how to find you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's uh, that that's a well uh, a well worth effort to go looking for Jeremiah's content. And he uh, does a nice job with his articles and, and uh, other great stories. And uh, what's cool is a lot of times they feature people who wouldn't normally be featured, which I think is Mm -hmm. uh, awesome. I think uh, it's one of the things that, keeps uh, not just those people interested in hunting but it keeps everyone else you know who gets to see these stories that they wouldn't otherwise see and and read so i think uh that's that's really a great opportunity for people to to take advantage of go search jeremiah haas and uh, i'll uh, definitely uh, include his name on this episode so you know how to do that jeremiah thanks so much for coming on there's again just a master class and and not just uh hunting but Deer biology and, and, um, how the whole big picture comes together for whitetails here in in the Midwest and Brandon, uh, big thank you to you as well for jumping on. I know you're kind of dealing with a sick kid right now. So, uh, a big, th- maybe yeah. I should, maybe I should more so thank, uh, Brooke for. For letting you uh join us tonight yes, but. she
2: she is she is too good to me so allow me to get in some uh some outdoor therapy, so hey I appreciate <laughs> <it>. <laughs> no no for
1: sure, and to everyone of course, a huge good luck to you as you uh finish out your late season. I truly do hope you're able to either reach your goals or uh, fill your tags and fill your freezer if that's the the goal year or I guess maybe the necessity that you're at at this mm-hmm. point. Please also head over to thehuntfishlife.com. You'll find Brandon and his team there. You can uh, communicate with them through Facebook and Instagram, and uh, definitely head over to their store and check out some of the Huntfishlife gear out there. And uh, please, as always, head over to firstgenhunter.com. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Go Wild. And uh, you can even subscribe to the First and Hunter YouTube channel. You can see that aforementioned video that both Jeremiah and Brandon are in. And a few others who have uh, been on the show before. And more important than all of that is that you take care and take someone hunting.